Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ladder Habits podcast, powered by Sound Over Song, where we provide faith-based habits to sustain your future blessing. I am super excited about this episode today. This is episode four, and we're calling it Authentic Forgiveness. And I have the privilege and honor to be able to have my wonderful sister and friend, Ashley Hughes, on with us today. Ashley, I'm so excited to have you with us today. Um, this is this is going to be a real, real treat. Um, Ashley is, 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 I've known Ashley since I, we were young, young kids. Yep. And um, she was born and raised in Tucson, Arizona. She started going to church at the age of four, gave her life to God shortly thereafter. She now, years, years later, obviously has three kids. Both her and her husband uh, are in ministry, uh, just serving the Lord and looking at uh, opening up a nonprofit that will help others uh, that have experienced loss. And so, Ashley, I am so excited to have you on. Thank you for, for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks. Well, of course, thanks for having me. And of course, like you said, I mean, we're, you're my brother from another mother. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, one of my oldest and dearest friends. So it is my honor and privilege to be on today. Yes, absolutely. So let's, let's get started here. We, um, back in 2001, which seems like such a long time ago, but yeah. Um, we had a guy enter both of our lives that um, is one of a kind. I, I, don't, I don't think <laughs> I ever have will will meet a guy like him uh, the rest of my life. But we had a guy enter our lives uh, named Eric Johnson, who mm-hmm. um, phenomenal, phenomenal drummer, one of the best drummers I've ever heard. Uh, introduced me to the Dave Matthews Band. Um, and I will never be the same because of that as far as my music taste but um, he entered our lives he started playing um, playing drums at the church that both Ashley and I were going at uh, Grace Chapel Grace to the Nations started playing with the youth band and um, uh, you and you and him just started uh, getting to know each other and get into a relationship with each other. So kind of tell, talk to us about, about how that started to, to come about and, and um, your takes on Eric and just kind of <laughs> just how things started progressing with, with the two of you. Yeah. So, well, um, so like you said, he was introduced, he came to our church and it was crazy. The night he walked into our youth group, I was preaching that night and I was just sharing I don't remember what I was preaching about, but, you know, see this young guy walk in and sit next to our friend Ryan. um, And I just thought something different about him. And it was, I I still can't explain it other than the Lord (laughs) dropped in my spirit that that man could be your husband someday. And I'm 16 years old. I haven't ever met him, talks to him. And it was definitely the weirdest feeling and knowing to have <laughs> um, come to find out shortly after that, that he had like a girlfriend slash fiance back home in California. He was stationed. Oh yeah. He was, he was stationed here uh, at Davis Moffin air force base. And um, yeah. So I just thought, okay, God, what was that? I don't know. Again, 16 years old and just thinking, okay, but started a friendship and we were on the worship band together with you and 
um, you know, a few others. And it was just, it was just a good time getting to know him as a friend. Um, come to find out, you know, things, I guess, didn't work out long distance for them and um, still just kind of continued our friendship into really after high school was where we more, you know, seriously started dating. But um, it was a good, a good process and a good friendship and a good time to just be around, you know, everybody from youth group and have youth pastors speak into our lives. And, you know, just, it was sweet and innocent. And he, you know, was like one of the funniest guys I'd ever met and goofy and just, um, just Eric. He was his own person. He was in his own world, but, um, he invited others. I remember him saying to me one day we were talking about, um, we were talking about naming the youth band and we were trying to come up with a youth band name. And I remember him telling me, he's like, you know what you should call it? He said, you should call it Dr. Rocket in the Moon Patrol. And I'm like, that is the most creative, the most awesome, the oh most, my gosh. like unique name I've ever heard in my life. And I still, I will never forget that. Like that's in the back of my mind. And I'm like, one of these days I'm oh. going to name a band that like in his, like to honor him, like that was, that that's just who he was like. So unique. So yeah off the wall but so I mean just so there so yeah (laughs) yeah do it he would do anything for a laugh even Mm -hmm. like acts just insanely strange and just yeah anything for a laugh but he did it so that others felt better about themselves and comfortable around him and um yeah so that was Eric that's who he was he proposed to me um like I said, we were more seriously started dating after high school proposed and we got married in December of 2004. Yes. So now, I remember, I remember prior to that, you got, I remember him coming to me and saying, Hey, you know, I really feel like God is calling us to a different church. And, um, and I was like, on one hand, like as a, as a, as a, coming from the pastoral leader and i was like okay yeah man follow god do it do it uh do it you know you're called to do but on the other hand i'm like no like i'm <laughs> losing like one of the best drummers i've ever played with in my entire life like oh so not god like you know i was so like praying against it but it was such a i i, I saw at, you know as time passed that it was such an integral part for you guys um in your relationship and what God was doing with the two of you. And, um, and so, yeah, so you got, so you guys got married um, and, and then kind of what, what, what progressed after that? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess, you know, we're young and love newlyweds. Um, We were really excited about just plugging into ministry full time. He had started another kind of little band um, with a friend of ours. And, you know, we were just kind of doing that. It was, working, going to church, doing ministry. He had his band that he had started and just kind of loving life as new, you know, a new couple. And I remember one, one of the times I was thinking we should just stay home from church and just hang out and, you know, we'll just ditch church. And he's like, this is our life. This is what we want. This is everything we've prayed for is just to be 
in God's house and worshiping. And I was like, you're right, <laughs> let's do it. You know? So I, I was really just in love with him and on board with, this is our life. We want to do music. We want to worship God. We want to serve people and love people well. And, um, there wasn't a big plan, you know, we didn't get married with all of these things in a row and all this order to our lives. It was just, we were in love and, and we loved each other. We love God. So I was in training. I went to work for a, you know, corporate America and I was in a training and they took me to Phoenix and I really didn't want to go because my grandmother was really sick mm-hmm. and I had told them, I really don't want to go to this training out of town. My grandma's really sick. She could pass any day now. And so they said, okay, you know, you can postpone it. I was like, great. <laughs> so they postponed it a couple weeks. And I was really glad they did because my grandma had actually passed away that week that they were going to send me to the original training in Phoenix. And so went through all that stuff with, with my grandma passing away. And then they said, hey, we have this new training up. I was just training in store. And they said, we're going to send you to this new training in Phoenix. Okay, great. So I'm telling Eric, I've got to go to Phoenix. It's a couple of days. And that's kind of weird. We, we had only been married two and a half months and to be away from your husband. And again, I'm young and just all of the combination. I really didn't want to go, but it was like, this is my job now. Mm-hmm. So I go up to this training in Phoenix and I, you room by yourself in your own hotel room and it's just different. It's a whole different experience for me. I'm 19 years old. Like I said, newly married, uh, just got off uh, dealing with my grandma passing away. And so I'm in Phoenix in this hotel room all by myself. And I try to reach uh, Eric on the phone and I can't get a hold of him. And I wasn't feeling good. I don't know what it was. It was like some sinus infection just hit me like out of the blue. I'm crying and praying to God one night and I'm just calling out to God. Cause I just felt so alone. Mm. You know, I just had this really deep feeling. It was very strange. And God showed me this vision of, I had watched 700 club. I I've been watching it like since I was little and I had seen this one episode about Tammy Trent and she was a Christian singer and her husband passed away the day after nine 11 mm. in a scuba di- diving accident. And in this, vision that I'm kind of having remembering her story. She talks about how she was alone in a hotel room and how that's how she got the news that her husband had passed away was all by herself in her hotel room. So she, she fell on her knees. She started crying out to the Lord and said, God, just like help me. Like, I don't know exactly what she was saying, but she was just crying out to God. And she said in that moment, a maid ran into the room and started hugging her and praying for her. Mm. And was there for her in that moment. And I just, I just remember that night asking God, God, why are you showing me this? Is because I'm alone in a hotel room right now and I'm crying and I don't feel good. And I'm, you know, I'm achy because just whatever, like said, sinus stuff going on. And it just was so just like, okay, God, you know, he was showing me this. Finally, Eric calls me back. Um, he had gone to a friend's house and was just having dinner and hanging out with the guys, you know, the wife's out of town, going to hang out right, with the guys. Right, right. And, so he calls me and, and, and he was planning to come up to Phoenix the next day to see me and stay, you know, we, I had a free hotel stay for the week. He didn't have work the rest of the week. He was just going to come hang out with me. 
So we were planning out kind of that part of the trip. Um, he said, okay, I love you. I'll talk to you in the morning. Okay, great. Wake up in the morning. He gives me a phone call and it's like, okay, I'm driving to work. And he said, okay, I love you. I love you too. And I get ready and go to training. But I did have my phone on me because I just, you know, it's just 2000, early 2000s. You're like so excited to have your phone, even though it's a training. Right. I still, and I start seeing all of these text messages and phone calls come in. And I think it's kind of weird, but not, it doesn't really like catch me off guard. I'm like, okay, well, I'm on, I have these, a headset on because I'm, I'm training on a computer and my trainer walks up behind me and taps me on the shoulder and says, Ashley, you have a phone call. I'm like, okay. And he's like, I'm like, who is it? And he's like, it's your manager from the store. Okay. So I go into the other room um, to give this phone call. And she said, Ashley, I have a friend here that needs to talk to you. So get on the phone. It's a friend of mine from Tucson. He's a paramedic. And he says, Ashley, Eric's been in a car accident. You need to call the hospital. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? <laughs> and he's like, just don't drive home. That's all I could keep telling you. Just don't drive home. And I was like, okay. So I get the phone number to the hospital and um, I'm kind of freaking out. I had just ran back into the training room, brought a piece of paper and pencil so I could, you know, write everything down. And I called the hospital because I don't, I don't know what's going on. And I guess my friend had gone to my work because nobody had, could get a hold of me. Again, my phone was sitting there. I saw the calls come in, but I'm not thinking something's happening. So I go into the other room, I call the doctor and the doctor is like, what have they told you? And I said, nothing, just that my husband was an accident. I knew that he was on his motorcycle. I knew it couldn't be good. I knew that, you know, maybe he's calling, maybe I need to call, give permission for something, give insurance. I don't know. You know, you're, you don't know what to think in those moments. And he said, well, I'm sorry to tell you, but as of this moment, your husband is dead. And I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I just tell him thank you because you don't know what to say. You're just like, okay, thank you. And you hang up the phone, you're in complete shock. And I just start screaming and crying out to God and just weeping. And I'm in this little room all by myself and not knowing what to do. And in that moment, this woman from the training class that I had barely met the day before runs into the room and starts holding me and praying for me and asking me, What's, what's wrong? And I told her my husband died and she stayed with me. She stayed with me. She took me back to the hotel room and waited for my family to come pick me up. And she was there with me and I wasn't alone. And it was just amazing to have God's providence and for God to show me even the night before, you know, Hey, I'm here. I'm with you. And so that was just the beginning of a very long process of finding out what exactly happened. I went with my dad. My dad came to pick me up from Phoenix and in the car, he was trying to tell me some things that weren't really making sense to me. And he was just telling me that God's your provider. God's going to be with you. And I was like, okay, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, dad, but you know, I just, I got like, but it was just weird the way he was talking about how God was going to be the one to be there for me. And um, in that moment, God dropped in my spirit that Eric was actually killed. And I started, was able to start pe- putting the pieces together that, that 
he was killed. It wasn't just a regular car accident. Um, got to the hospital to say my last goodbyes. And that's where I found out that the man that killed him was under the influence of drugs and alcohol. So I said my goodbye and that was it. (laughs) It was so surreal. Everything that happened so fast, but when you're involved in an accident like that or a, a crime like that, the body becomes evidence. So as a family, you don't really get to do much. Um, like in other normal cases, they have to do, you know, their police work and all, all that stuff. So it was literally, they held his body long enough, I guess. And sometimes that's really hard as Americans to be like, what? Like, no, we don't need a timeline for this, but they only give me a few minutes to go say goodbye. And that was the start. Yeah. Nope. And that was so, it was so, I remember it being so, so, it was just so devastating. And I remember when I had gotten the news of what had happened and I was so, I mean, I immediately just, I just began to cry. But I just, I was in such a place of God, I, I don't understand this. Like, I, I am yeah. so baffled at why this happened. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I, I'm so at a loss for words and, and, and almost in a place of just, just anger. Like, God, why? Like, why mm-hmm. all this to happen? This is, this is, this kind of stuff is not supposed to happen to people like Ashley, to people like Eric, this is not supposed to happen. Why is this happening? And it, it wasn't until after, you know, things had progressed, you know, and, and as far as, you know, his memorial service and had the honor and the privilege to play drums um, with, with his, his team, with your guys's team. And, um, and I'll never forget that, but it, it, it wasn't till that experience. And then, and then as months passed um, that I really began to see God's purpose um, in it. And, and so I want you just to talk a little bit, Ashley, about kind of the process that you had to go through from that point on um, in, in accepting what happened, but then also um, what, took place between you, your family and, um, and the, and the guy that, that, um, that killed Eric. Well, yeah. So like I said, that was the start. And at first you're just, you're in shock and you're in planning mode, you know, having to pick out a grave plot and flowers and things for the funeral and who's going to speak and what's going to happen, what pictures, you know, just, all of that, you just go into a kind of a frenzy trying to figure that stuff out. And you kind of can't even mourn or wrap your head around what is really happening. So I didn't really think about the accident per se or the man that killed him. I didn't have time to think about all of that stuff during that. And I really didn't even blame or question God. I just was one foot in front of the other you know, one day at a time, just trying to figure things out. And I remember just knowing just this deep knowing of Eric's life mattered and it counted. 
and there's, he has testimony and I actually wasn't sure what I should speak about at his funeral. And I, I was looking through the house and trying to find stuff. And I came across, I don't know if you remember the one time at youth group, youth group, he shared his whole testimony. And I came across this box and it was a weird box because it like had some other like trinkets and stuff in it. I don't know what this box was, but laying perfectly right on top was his testimony. Mm. And I just remember thinking, I've never seen this box before, and I don't know why it's here or in this place, but there was his full testimony written out perfectly. I'd never seen this sheet of paper, and I read his testimony and and gave invitation for people to come to know the Lord at his funeral because I knew that he was friends with nonbelievers. You know, he that's just who he was. He was friends with everybody he met, and so... Being able to process that and go through that, I just knew that God wanted to still use Eric's life and use his testimony. And so that just really opened up and led to other opportunities to be able to share my testimony, but really share about God and, and Eric. I thought it was more about that. Um, and then it was the very slow fade, I guess you could say, the anchor and the bitterness. And the first time I had to see that man in court, Mm. I don't know if instant hatred is a word, you know, but that's what happened. It was just instant. Like (gasps) I could see him and I could put a face to him and I could feel the anger that this man had towards me. Cause you could just feel it was a spiritual battle in the courtroom that he did not like he didn't like the fact that I was showing up at these, these hearings mm. and it was the state prosecuting him. So it wasn't like a civil court situation, but they, they tell you and you have victim advocates to come with you to court. And they tell you, if you go, if you come to these things, they get longer sentencing and there's more of a chance for, you know, just other things to happen. So I made sure I showed up at every single one and, my family would come with me, pastors, friends, you know, would show up with me at different times and was like, yeah, we're fighting the bad guy now. That's what it was about. And I went through a very hard, deep depression where I just was really like an insomniac and I couldn't sleep at night and I was suicidal and just so many things that happened. But I really believe it, what spurred it and what started it was the hatred for this man. I mean, I wanted him to die. Yeah. I imagined people killing him in prison and I just had such a hatred for him and would plea my case before the Lord and just say, why, you know, this guy just, he did this and he did that. And I would just be so angry and just accusing this man and cursing him and just thinking evil towards him. And it was about nine months after Eric passed away that I was going through this process of just bitterness and anxious and just hating and, again, pleading my case before God about this man and how awful he was. And it was like, I was like, sit down. <laughs> I want to tell you a story. Mm. I want to talk to you about something. And it was got my attention. I was like, oh, okay. And he said, you know the story of when Saul turns into Paul. Mm. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, Saul was out there 
purposefully murdering my children. He was hunting them out. He was seeking them out. He was murdering them, my children. And if I can take a man like Saul and I can forgive him Come on. and I can use him for my glory, you can forgive this man that was just lost mm. and didn't know what he was doing that killed your husband. And it was such a supernatural grace that hit me in that moment that was like, I mean, I just started crying and I was just like, you're right, God. Like I do, I forgive him. I have to forgive him. And just to talk about a weight that was lifted and it was so instantaneous and so real and so powerful that everything, it was like everything changed. I mean, it's on me that it's just depression, just so much that was lifted off of me and, and it turned into like a joy. Like I can start praying for this man. I mean, the verses that talk about love your neighbor as yourself, like those became real in that moment about, yeah, I can't let Satan win in this situation. You know, it has to be the Lord and the Lord has to win. And by winning, I mean, this man needs to be in heaven. So he needs to know. He needs to know that God loves him. He needs to know that I forgive him. He needs to know that if Eric was here, Eric would forgive mm. him. And so being able to have process and gone through that with the Lord and the Lord really, I feel like anointing me with that authentic forgiveness. I was able to stand before him in court about a year and a half later is when the final sentencing was they were trying at first they, to sentence him for a second degree murder because it's basically like if you dry on drugs and alcohol and you're just out there it's basically like the same if you just walked into a party and shot a gun off yeah. you know oh wow i didn't know i was trying to kill somebody I'm per- well you know that your actions are going to cause death you know so they were they were trying to sentence them for that. And it, and it didn't, um, stand in court because you have to, there's other intent you have to prove. Um, but anyways, all that to say, he still got a sentence of about 11 years in prison and I was able to talk to him and in that courtroom, just let him know God loves you. And I, I've forgiven you. And I know Eric would have forgiven you. And he was able to talk later and there's only two times in my life that I physically felt the hand of God. And one time was in the courtroom that day. I could feel God just there with me. And the man had a lot to say. And I really believe deep down in my heart that it was, that was real. Um, it was genuine because that it was just such a transition from before when we were in court together, staring each other down. You could just feel the animosity, you know, and just to feel in that day, in that time that he was sentenced to feel peace and to feel that he was broken. But I, I believe it was more than just broken before us. Like it was broken before the Lord. Mm. And so I, I've continued to pray for him. His name is Eric as well. <laughs> and wow. for a long time, it was really hard for me to say his name and I would never say his name, but through the process of just forgiveness, I'm like, no, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for Eric. Eric is his name. And that's wild. I, did not, I did not know that. You well, didn't, didn't know remember, that. Yeah. I didn't remember that. I didn't know yeah. that. I didn't remember that. That's, that's, I never, that's, that's great. Yeah. I would never say his name. I would never say his name. 
and just realizing like he's God's child too. Yeah. And so, so yeah, I, I actually thought I ran into him. I know he's out. I don't know exactly where he's at, but I, I know what he looks like. And, um, I thought I saw somebody that looked like him, like at, at a restaurant business. And I asked the, the waitress, I said, is that man St. Eric? And she's like, no, I was like, Oh, but I was so excited. I was just so excited that it would, if it was him just to be like, Hey, it's me. Remember? Right. Right. <laughs> be like, I've been praying for you. How's it going? God loves you. You know, just, I was excited to have that moment of maybe closure or, um, to see him again and to know that, that he's well, but I don't know, I might not get that on this side of earth and, and that's okay, but I really have peace in my spirit and believe that he will be in heaven and I'll, I'll meet him someday again. And it's so, there's so many things that you could pick out from, from this experience. Um, and again, it's such a personal experience. And I, I, if we had the time, we could just totally, you know, elongate this and just talk so much uh, about yeah. it. But the one thing that I want to just zoom in in, in, their, in our closing moments here is, is the importance of authentic forgiveness. This is what this episode um, is, is entitled is authentic forgiveness. Um, and, mm. and, Ashley's story is so, um, your story is so, such a, a vivid example uh, of the importance of forgiveness, regardless of um, what has taken place. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the loss of a, of a husband, a loss of a spouse is probably one of the, the greatest wounds someone could ever imagine could happen to them. Um, and, and for you to be able to come to such a place of authentic forgiveness to the guy that you are, you were, like you said, you were excited, um, you know, at the possibility of seeing him in public and being able to, to talk to him, um, face to face. I mean, that, that's huge. That's huge. Um, and I want to just briefly, I want to put this scripture in there, um, that, I know God spoke to me about um, authentic forgiveness, and I know it highlights the process um, that you uh, went through, Ashley, with with this man. Um, and it comes out of Matthew 18, and it's in verse 23. It says, and Jesus is talking. He says, "Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents." But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of the ser- that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. And. You know, Ashley, your your story with with this man, this uh, with Eric, um, is is this is is exemplary or is is the same or is parallel to this story that you had 
compassion on him. God brought you into that moment where, you know, you explained that, you know, he took, God spoke to you about Saul turning to Paul. And there was this moment where God changed your, your heart of, of hatred toward this man to a heart of compassion. And, and because then you had compassion, you were able to release him. And then because mm-hmm. of that release that, that brought you into forgiveness. And that is a process that all of us have to go through, regardless of the hurt that we've experienced, regardless mm-hmm. of the, the, the situations we've been in, we have to allow God to take us through that process of having compassion for the person or for the situation releasing that person and then then bring coming to a place of, of, of forgiveness and that really is the the definition um, or the process to authentic forgiveness I can't just say I forgive you um, and, mm. and not have an understanding not of what of just who you are as an individual but who God sees you how God sees you I have to see you as, a, as an individual the way God sees you because then that allows me to have the compassion and allows me to release you and bring, come to that place of authentic forgiveness. And that's, you know, what Ashley is saying that, that, that happened with her, with this man that killed her, her husband, my, my friend, uh, he, she had to have compassion on him. She had to see him the way that Jesus uh, sees him so that she could have compassion, then be able to release him and forgive him. And, and Mm -hmm. because of that, because of her being submitted to that process of, of coming to authentic forgiveness, she then was able to come into a, a place of, of freedom. Like you said, Ashley, there was that, that weight that was lifted from you. Um, and yeah. then, you know, you were able then to share your testimony and you were able to speak to other people about, it. I know you had said in your, um, in your, in your bio that you sent to me that you were able to stand uh, in Africa and speak, to, to, to just talk a little bit, just a brief moment about, about that opportunity that came because of your authentic forgiveness. Hmm. Yeah. So I went to Africa with a friend of mine or her nonprofit and I just went to serve and I just wanted to serve. I didn't really know what they'd be doing in Africa. And one morning she said, I want you to tell this woman your story. And it was just, over breakfast and we're having some coffee and I said, okay. So I told her my testimony and come to find out she was in charge of the citywide gathering. They were having that, that weekend. And the, one of the reasons we were there and I didn't even know we were doing this big gathering, um, with the, in, in the city of Kampala. And so she asked me to speak that night and to be one of the speakers and to share the story of, of forgiveness and, it was such a powerful moment just because you know this is a not only a city but country that there's orphans on the street, there's people dying and just things are happening every day and you know that they need to hear that. They need to hear really the message of, of life and hope that is in Christ Jesus. And so it was just, yeah, an, an honor to totally be able to speak about God and what God's done and and he just keeps doing that. It, it's been over 14 years now. And, and just to have God keep doing that, keep bringing up opportunities to share, I just know it's, it's all him. So. And that's, 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 the, that's the beauty. That's, that's the, the blessing, if you will. That's, that's what, you know, the, almost the essence of what, 
what this podcast is about, that we, we develop these habits, faith-based habits to sustain our future blessing. You know, Ashley mm, was able yeah. to, to, um, obtain and, and put into practice this, this habit of authentic forgiveness. And because of that, it is allowed now the, the blessings that have come into her life because of that to be sustained and to be long lasting. She now, you know, has been able to share this story with thousands and thousands of people. She's now remarried to a wonderful man named David. Uh, and she has three beautiful children, um, and is just serving God. Um, just, with all of her gifts, all of her talents and her whole family serving the Lord. And so there's just been a blessing and there's been prosperity and there's been great things that God has been able to put into uh, her life. And she's able to sustain these because of this authentic forgiveness, this process of authentic forgiveness that he's had to take her through. And I'm sure continues to take her through um, in, in different aspects and with different people. And so, you know, where our time has been greatly spent today. And, and I hope <laughs> that you have been ministered to uh, by this story and, and just <clears throat> what Ashley's had to say today. But I want us to be able to walk away from, from this, this episode today, understanding the power of authentic forgiveness, understanding that whatever has happened in your life, whatever situation you've been in, it, it, it can be overcome if you allow God to take you through the process of authentic forgiveness, allowing God to, to give you compassion for those people, for the, that person, for that circumstance, allowing him to, to, re- you, uh, to help you release that person, that situation, and then come to that place of authentic forgiveness, which then just brings so much blessing and opportunity for the kingdom to be expanded in your life. Ashley, thank you so mm-hmm. much for thank joining you. us on the podcast. Say thank you for sharing your story. Um, just tell us a little bit real quick as we close, just where, where you're at now and what ministry is going on and just how people um, can connect with you uh, if they're wanting just to, to, to be uh, a part of, of what God's doing in your guys' life. Awesome. Well, yeah. So my husband and I both work for a ministry in Tucson. And other than that, I mean, we're just constantly trying to build community and um, you all do worship events together. But I guess the main thing is if, if anybody out there is struggling, number one, with forgiving somebody and you want to talk, or maybe you're struggling with a loss, you're about to process a, a loss of a loved one. I would really love to be there for you in those moments. You can email me at akh77 at me.com. But really, I'm I'm in the process and have been just seeking Lord and finding how he wants to, to do this thing. But I really feel he has called me to start a bereavement ministry. And if that's helping people plan a funeral or just being there for them after the fact or walking with them as they have to be in court or whatever the case is, I I am in the foundation stages of laying down that ministry. And so, especially when it comes to widows, I feel like that has been such a need in our, just our faith as, as believers, the Lord does talk about caring for the widow and the orphan. And it is such a lost ministry. And so I really believe that God has put some strategies in place that I can help revive that in the church, but I know that it is time and it's a process, but right now I'm just getting out there and being with those that I can be with at 
at times in their life that they are, that they're going through loss. Cause we don't mourn like those that have no hope, but we do still mourn. Right. And, and that's, it's a process and, and there's lots of emotions and, and it's hard and people think, well, people are there for you or they're going to be there for you. And it's like the first month and then it trickles and then it trickles some more. And then at the end, it's kind of just you and God saying, okay, how do I face life now? And so that's really my heart to be there for people that are going through loss. So. Awesome, Ashley. Again, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. We'll make sure we put that email in our episode notes so that you can reach out to her if you've experienced loss or experienced um, just hardship in your life that, you know, and what an Ashley story just resonates with you. Definitely reach out to her. You can also email us here, um, ladderhabits at gmail.com. And we'd love to put you in touch with her and any other resources we can to help you through your time uh, of loss, but also to help you come to a place of authentic forgiveness. Um, Thank you for joining us on the podcast today, for tuning in, watching. This one's been a little bit longer, but I know that it's been a good good time spent. Um, Again, Ashley, thank you. Um, thank your your, your husband and your family for for uh, giving us your time today, and uh, we will all we will see you again on the next uh, okay. episode of the Ladder Habit Podcast.